This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right. As you open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, I'm actually going to be looking at this. Thank you, Dylan. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to be looking at this in the Amplified Bible in just a minute. But how you can know God's will for your life As I was praying this week, I realized every one of us has a divine destiny. Every one of you, myself, my wife, my children, my grandchildren, every one of us has a divine destiny. And what that means is this, God's ultimate goal, his plan and purpose for us to fulfill on earth. Amen. You know, think about destiny. Everybody's ever heard the phrase divine destiny? Okay. Well, that's part of the word destination. Destination. I've got a destination in March called Lima, Peru. To make another connection down there to get to, how you pronounce that place I'm going? Aquitos. I'm still not used to the Spanish words, but down there I... Telling somebody the other day, I'm not going to joke, joke around down there like I do up here about these words because it could be serious and people got to help me get to where I'm going. <laughs> but anyway, I've got, I've got a destination. That's where I'm headed to. And so if I happened to be at the airport and got on my plane and they said, well, we'll, we'll land in Montreal in two hours and 30 minutes, Montreal, Canada. I thought, whoa. I'm going the wrong direction. I don't want to go up north. I'm supposed to be going south. I'd have to stop and change and make a correction. And so, when you're born again, God begins to give you images and impressions in your heart of your life. You get heart's desires. He says, delight yourself, the Lord, to give you the desires of your hearts. And if you start to see things changing because somebody offers you more money on a job, Somebody offers you some kind of a better uh, neighborhood to live in or something like that. as taking you away from church, away from the places God has for you. And not heading you towards the direction in your heart you know that God wants you to accomplish. Then he expects you to make choices and use your faith. Say, wait a minute. This is a good career move. But in my heart, it's taking me away from the plan of God for my life. And that's, that's why the Bible says faith pleases God. It takes faith to go against the current of what society, family, friends, even Christian friends tell you ought to be doing for your life. Because when your heart of hearts, when you know where God wants you to end up in life, you better start heading that direction. If you see you're getting off course, you better say, well, this plane lands in Canada. I've got to explain to him I'm on the wrong plane. I have to turn around. I have to go the other direction. I'm going the wrong direction where I'm supposed to be going. Amen. I've had to do that in my life before because I knew this was taking me out of the will of God. I've had to change jobs before because I knew they were taking me away from where God wanted me to go. I've had to change, I've had to change locations. And so there's things you have to do. So anyway, as I sought the Lord about who is going to be here this morning, and as a man of God, I, I want to tell you, I don't have any book that tells me what I'm supposed to preach. You know, some preachers, they have sermon books that tells them this is what you're supposed to be doing this year. Stay with this, do this, do this, do this. Every time I preach, whether it's for a Wednesday service, a men's meeting, Sunday morning, Sunday night service, whatever I preach, I always in advance of talking to the Lord about, Lord, you know everything about the future. You know everything about the past, you know everything going on. And I always say, Father, please look into the Sunday morning service. I see the face is going to be there. And he says, I see Philip Church there on Sunday morning. I said, well, good, this is for Philip then. Amen. God knows you're going to be here before you know it. And so when I'm seeking him about who's going to be in the service that day, who's going to be at that conference, I preached that down in South America, I say, Lord, who's going to be there and show me the questions you want to answer for them, even if they don't know the questions right now. You know the answers you want to give them. And so many times, so many times, when I've got finished preaching a service here, I'll have multiple people come up and say, you know what, Pastor, you answered every question I had. 
And I think, well, that's good because it was the Holy Spirit through me. Can I, can I say something else too? Sometimes when I can congratulate people, pat them on the back, say, man, you did a good job. Say, oh no, it wasn't me. God did it. I think, well, wait a minute. It was your hands. It was your intelligence. God worked through you. But the Bible says we're co-laborers with God. And I know that sounds really good when you say, oh no, God did it. Well, God couldn't do it without you. And so see, it's, it, it's, it's really false humility sometimes not, not to be able to receive a pat on the back. Now, if you got, if you got false pride, that's one thing, but it's okay to say, well, I thank you that Jesus gave me the wisdom to do that. Jesus enabled me to do that. He gave me the health to do that. Amen. That's just really kind of super religious. Say God did it because God, God did it with you because we work with him. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, we have to know that God has things for us to accomplish. And so when you come to church, God wants to answer your questions. And I praise God that we have people in the church able to pray and seek God and find out what it is people need to hear. Amen. And so anyway, I, as I was praying, I sense this in my spirit. And this is going to be on your outline there. Many believers aren't sure about God's will for their life. The Lord spoke that very plainly to my heart this week about this service morning, that many believers aren't sure about God's will for their life. He said this, said they're uncertain about what he wants them to do with their life. said they're uncertain about what he wants them to do with their life. And so I want to say this. God puts in your heart when you're born again. Just you start getting these little things on the inside of you that... Maybe it's changing what you always thought you wanted to do your whole life, but all of a sudden, when you're born again and have eternal life in you, your desires change. And so God gives you impressions of your divine destiny. And my, my assignment today is to help you to show you how to fulfill your divine destiny, how to get there. God wants you to know how to get there. And so I would look at Romans 12, verse 1 in the Amplified Bible. Romans 12, verse 1 in the Amplified Bible, since I have Amplified with me, I'll sit on the screen when it comes up. Okay. He said, I'll appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg, beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies. A decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated. I like that. Holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, your rational, intelligent service as spiritual worship. God said we are supposed to do something for our physical bodies. And so you've got to recognize that your outward man is not the real you. Your spirit on the inside of your earth suit is eternal, will live forever. Even when your physical body is dead and buried, your spirit lives forever. And when people are truly born again, unless they choose to live a totally carnal life where they never spend any time praying and read their Bibles, they become conscious. There's more to life than what I'm seeing. There's more to life than money. There's more to life than sex. There's more to life than ball games. There's more to life than whatever it is. There's more to life than vacations. There's more to life than whatever it is. There's more to life because they realize that on the inside of them, wow, things have changed because your new creature, Christ, the Holy Spirit, lives there. And so I know that for me, when I become born again, I become conscious that I had previously been on my way to hell and now I was on my way to heaven. And then I couldn't look in the eyes of my lost family without wanting to find out what could I do to let them know this is real. I remember my parents weren't saved at the time. Lots of my family wasn't saved. And I've become very conscious that I wanted to tell them this is real. But I knew they were like I was. When people tried to preach to me when I was lost and wasn't ready, I wouldn't listen. I could care less about church, about spiritual things. But when I've come born again, I realize my greatest desire in life is to help everybody cross my path to know Jesus. Whether they were people that had really wronged me and been mean to me in life, or the people that were just good people loved me, but they didn't know about Jesus. My mission became, what can I do 
to make sure anybody crosses my path, I'm able to have some kind of influence on them about Jesus. Amen. And so I realized then, and this is something until you really understand how these spiritual things work, every human being that's ever been born and died since the beginning of time is still alive somewhere. Every person that's ever died without Christ is in hell. Their bodies have been dead and disintegrated a long time ago, but they're still living. Every human being that's ever taken their last breath and gave their life to Jesus is in heaven right now. All those things that Jesus told us about heaven, about my Father's house, are many mansions. The book of Revelation talks about the river of life runs through heaven. Talks about the streets of gold in heaven. Talks about the walls around heaven. Talks about the angels of God are always there worshiping. That uh, all the believers that are in heaven are worshiping. They're all together up there in heaven. Every human being, every human being, <clears throat> over all these eons of time, are still alive. Everybody that you've known in your lifetime, every stranger you've known that died, every family member you've known that died, every co-worker you've known that died, every obituary you've ever read, those physical bodies got buried, but those people are still somewhere. Amen. And so that's what he said right here, that we are to devote and consecrate our physical bodies to the service of God. He said we have to know that, that that we have to have that revelation. And so, I say this, so you must train you, you, the real you, on the inside spirit man. You must train your physical body and discipline it to make it do what it should, not what it wants to. That's what he said. He said, you present your body. You tell your body what it's going to do. You make your body eat. What it's supposed to eat. And you don't put alcohol drugs in your body. You don't make it the lifestyle habit of having the Thanksgiving feast three times a day, every day of the year. Every, every one of us enjoys having those special times, holiday times, birthdays where we, man, we put the feed bag on, we go for it. But if you live that way every day, you're not treating your Holy Ghost temple. Like God told you to treat your temple. And so we need to make our bodies do what it should, not what it wants to. This is the will of God. The real you, your spirit man, <clears throat> needs a healthy body to carry it on earth. In James chapter 2, says the body without the spirit is dead. Didn't say the spirit's dead. Your spirit still lives when the body dies. But your body needs all sense systems functioning well. You need every part of your body to work to be totally effective for God at His perfect will. You can't be a chain smoker and do all God wants you to do. Cigarettes will destroy and hinder your physical body. And God says present it to Him for service. Your mental alert, alertness will be impaired by alcohol, drugs, and marijuana. Any kind of thing that messes up your thinking process is violating what God said to do. Said, said, you treat it holy, you consecrate it, you dedicate it for God's service. He said, this is your rational service. Another translation says, this is your spiritual service. And so we're talking about today how you can know the will of God. The will of God, when you're born again, is start to take care of your physical body. I want to say it again. Don't make a habit of overeating. And you know, I'd be a hypocrite if I said we don't all love to indulge at Christmas time, at Thanksgiving time, at the special celebrations we do. But you can't make that your lifestyle. You can't make that your lifestyle. Man, I'm not hitting on fat people. You know, I showed Mrs. Pastor a pair of britches yesterday that I, that I was wearing two years ago before I really started getting my health back together again. Man, how far, how far are those things? A good six inches or more. You know, I said, I said, I said, this is the test to tell if they're old pants or new pants. I said, I butt my belt, see if they stay up. I butt the belt, whoop! 
That's because when I was going through sickness and things for a couple years there, two or three years there, my weight really got out of hand. But I can tell you right now, I can preach better. I can go further. I can do things God wants to do much better because I'm not dragging around 50 pounds of weights. Amen. And I want to say again, I'm not, I'm not at all being mean to people that weigh a lot. I'm just saying that's not God's best. He says right here, and I want to say this about this part too, about discipline of your body and your flesh and things like that. God would never tell us to do something we couldn't do with his help. Amen. Amen. Oh, I, I can't go down this road very long. This is not the sermon, but it's part of the will of God. You know, I hear people, I remember, I remember when I first started losing weight back in Indiana years ago, everybody noticed, pastor's really getting in shape. Same thing here at this church here. Well, what's your diet? What are you doing? And I, and I always say the same thing. Really doesn't make any difference what the diet is, is when you decide on the inside of going to control things. You know, you get one of those food plants, they send stuff in the mail to you, or however they do it, bring it up on your, I don't know what they do. I know they hear people talk about that works. Yeah, you guys tell us about that. That works. And then I know some people uh, do, do the little scales and weigh things out. That works. Well, the way I did it called food combine, that works. But the thing is, it's the discipline behind it. You find the plan and you follow the plan consistently and keep on doing it. It really doesn't, to me, it doesn't make any difference what the plan is. It's the person inside that says, I'm going to follow the plan. So when you find out what God's best way is for you to get in shape, just keep doing it. You know, you don't do it. You don't do it till you hit your goal, then fall off the wagon and climb way back up again, and then come back down. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about the will of God. He says right here, number one, you're born again. He says you present your body for service. You tell your body what it's going to do. Don't let your body tell you what it's going to do. Amen. We're talking about how you can know the will of God for your life. Then I want you to look at verse two. <clears throat> look at verse two. Amplified Bible. Oh, we're not going to look at the whole thing. That's okay. Just the last part of the verse. The last part of the verse of the Amplified Bible says, well, really, I need to read the first part. I'll just go ahead and read it out of King James. I want you to hear this part of this verse here. He says in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so God said, we have to change our way of thinking. And we're going to look more at that in a minute. But this last part of the verse in the Amplified Bible is really what we want to focus on. He wants us to change our way of thinking so that we may prove for ourselves was the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect, it is sight for you. God wants you to know exactly what his will is for your life. And I like the way Brother Hagin talks about this. He talks about God's permissive will, which is where most believers live, and God's perfect will. And uh, I know we was shooting some target stuff with some guns, getting stuff scoped in at the scope a few weeks ago. And you know, you get that circle out there, and you got all those little circles, and you got the bullseye right in the middle. Well, just look at your life like that target. You got the bullseye, which means you're really, you're zeroed in. You're tweaked, you're honed in, and you're hitting right where you want to hit, right in the center of it. But the, it's still pretty good if you can hit a couple circles out, or at least hit the target and have something hit somewhere. Well, that's good. At least you're going the right direction. Well, in your life as a Christian, God has a perfect will which is where you're really doing what God wants you to do. You're walking in the blessing of God. You're fulfilling what God wants you to do. And then the permissive will, when you die, you make it to heaven. So at least you're on the target, man. You didn't go to hell. You made it to heaven. That's because you just lived barely enough living that you still had Jesus in your heart. Because Jesus did say on that day on Judgment Day, he said, many's going to say, Lord, we did wonderful works in your name. Lord, we cast out demons in your name. Lord, we used your name. He said, I'm going to say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. They, they knew the plan, but they didn't really get tuned in to follow the plan. And so we as believers have to know for ourselves, it says, what is his good and acceptable. 
have perfect will for us. For me, in life, there's two things in life I'd love to do. Number one, and you know, Joe Mumper still knows this part, but I still love to smell diesel, don't I? I like to get in that truck and blow that air horn and drive a big truck. I love truck driving. At one point in time, I was a believing truck driver. I was a believer, but I drove a truck. Well, God changed that now. Now I'm a believing preacher. Well, you say you're a believing preacher. There's a lot of preachers don't believe. I'm a believer, then I'm a preacher. I'm not a believer at a truck driver. I'm a believing preacher. God's perfect will, when I got born again, was for me to stay in a truck and become a disciple as I drove a truck. And then as I progressed on God's divine destiny for my life, God got me out of the truck and put me in the pulpit and made me a preacher. And so in your life, as you're going along the way, as you're following God to hit that target in the middle, there's going to come a point in time when God starts adjusting you to get more towards the center. And nowhere in the Bible did I ever find a verse that said, Thus saith the Lord, Bernie Samples shall become a preacher. Because most of you in here are not going to become preachers. But I did find in the Bible, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. If any person lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, etc., etc. And so I found verses in the Bible to help me with everyday Christian living. And as I obeyed verses that helped me be a Christian, then I became more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And then not only did I know in my heart of hearts, God wanted me to be a preacher, then I started getting direction about what kind of preacher. Because there are lots of different kinds of preachers. I'm not a Rod Parsley or a Joyce Myers. I'm not, I'm not the big shouters and the carry-oners and stuff like that. But that's great for them. That's the kind they're called to be. I'm more, I'm more of the, uh, to me, I call it the quiet light upon line, precept upon precept type teacher that goes through the Word of God without getting real super emotional about it and shows you things to see. And so I had to find out what kind of preacher. And then, after that, had no where do I preach at. And so in your lives, there's things God will put in your heart. He wants you to do. But then you got to know, what way does He want you to do it? Where does He want you to do it? Who's your target group? Because we've all got to have a target group of people God draws us to. Because anything in your life that God's leading you to do, and you know, I look at all the different people in it. We've got, we got such a variety of careers and professions in here that God, in every field He leads you into, whether it's the real estate stuff, whether it's the welding stuff, whether it's the railroad, whether it's the school system, whatever it is God leads you into, His ultimate goal is always you're there to share Jesus Christ. And your paycheck is a byproduct. Somebody said, I thought I was there for the paycheck. Well, when I found out how real spiritual things were, when I drove 18-wheelers, I drove the biggest trucks, I drove 18-wheelers, God changed my thinking. I saw my 18-wheeler, I called it my chapel on wheels. And I called my paycheck my missions offering. Because everywhere I took that truck, every every warehouse I backed up into, every military facility I would go to, every place I went to, I said, I'm bringing my church to these people. When they step inside of my trailer to get their skids, when they step inside my trailer to get their box of whatever they're doing, they're walking into my church. And I'm the preacher in this church. And I step off the trailer onto their dock I'm back on their side, but they step into mine. This is my territory. I'd walk through my trucks. And I'd say, Lord, I want to thank you. The anointed God's in this trailer. I want to thank you, Jesus. I'm sensitive to you. Have these people cr- step into my truck. I'd walk the back of my truck. I'd go like that between the truck and the dock I was at. I'd say, I'd draw a bloodline right here. And these people cross the bloodline into here. The devil can't operate. Just the Holy Ghost. I cannot tell you how many salvations took place inside of those trailers. I have to say hundreds over the years. 
I cannot tell you how many deliverances took place. I remember so many people, demon-possessed, or these docs step into there, they get tongue-tied, couldn't talk, and then they try to demonstrations of demon spirits. I cast the devils out of them. How many diseases, crippled people, and things that happened, messed up, crossed into that thing, because I said, this is my church. This is the people God sent me to. And I do everything there I'm doing right here. And then when I got my paycheck, I didn't say it's a paycheck. I said, thank you, Lord, for the good offering for preaching for you this week. Amen. I always saw it that way. That's why money never moved me about what God wanted me to do in life. Because I knew God was my source. The same God that pays me through what comes into this church. I have a set salary. That's so why I know Brother Jesse come here as the new Christian. He was kind of ignorant about spiritual things. He said, oh, I'm so glad to put something to the offering. You know, the pastor gets it all. If I got it all, who'd pay for the heat bill? If I got it all, who, who, would, who would pay for all the different things it takes to keep this church going? I don't get it all. I get a salary. But I, it's the same way it was when I was a truck driver. I recognize my number one goal is to live for him and do his will that he'll pay me for it. And see, if you get your thinking turned around like that, your job will never control your spiritual life again. Talk about following God's plan for your life. And so anyway, uh, when you get in line in your everyday manner of life, what you know from the written word, the Holy Spirit will be able to speak more clearly to your heart and lead you in the direction of your divine destiny. But it's your everyday manner of life recognizing, recognizing that we as Christians, and you know, this, this is something that as a pastor, if I just influence the ones that come to this church with this, we as Christians could have the best, best vacations of anybody on the planet if we put Jesus first. We as Christians could have the best birthday celebrations, everything else, if we just put Jesus first. We as Christians can enjoy the best lifestyle of anybody if we just put him first. Instead of working your church life around your play life, but work your play life around your church life, then your play life will have anointing on it. And anointing is the presence of Jesus. And you get God's anointing on your vacations. You get God's anointing on your Disney trips. Get God's anointing on your Dodgers games or whatever else you do in life, I don't know. But when you put Jesus first in what you do, then everything else goes so much better. Amen. But it's your, talk about your manner of life. In other words, letting Jesus be Lord of your life. Pastor Dave did a series last year or two about the difference between being a disciple and being, what was the other one? A convert. A disciple and a convert. You know, the Bible says we're to receive Jesus as Lord. Lord means master, teacher, our overseer. And so I like what Brother Hagin does. His stuff is so good. I like what he said. He said, well, if you're saying Jesus is Lord of your life, then he ought to have some say-so about how you spend your time. If he's your Lord. He ought to have some input where you have your recreation. He ought to have input about who you marry. If he's going to be your Lord, your master, he'll have some input about even what kind of car you buy, where you're going to live, who you hang out with. And when you begin to let Jesus be Lord of your life, then your manner of life is going to clean up. And when your manner of life cleans up, then you're going to catch people's attention. And so he says right here, to not be conformed to this world. And so we have to understand the world is different for the unsaved people that is for Christian people. Look at Second Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 4. This, this is a verse. These, these two verses, all born-again Christians need to know these are in the Bible and get the revelation. And we're talking about how you can know the will of God for your life and why he says don't be conformed to the world but be transformed by renewing of your mind. Verse 3 and verse 4 says this, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to, hid to them that are lost. How many know there's a difference between lost people and saved people? Once I was lost, now I'm found. 
Once I was lost, no direction for my eternal destination. But now I'm saved. I have direction. I know my destiny. My final destination is heaven. I'll stand at the judgment seat of Christ and be judged for what I did. Between now and then, there's a life to live. If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world. Does anybody notice the small g? The God of this world? Talk about this world system. The God of this world. That's not the capital G, God of the earth, God of eternity. The God of this world system has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, whose image of God, should shine unto them. And so, what the entire unsaved people of the world don't know, now listen to what I'm saying. This will help your thinking to be in the will of God. What the entire people of the unsaved world don't know, and even well-meaning Christians that don't sit under good Bible teaching, or study their Bible for themselves, don't know, at the rebellion and fall of the human race in the Garden of Eden, Satan became, small g, God of this world. Jesus called him the prince of the power of the air. He's the God of this world. What that means is this. This is talking about the social systems of the world. Politics, business, news, communication. This is talking about the things that govern this world system, society. That's why we have to recognize the parallel worlds we live in. When we became born again, we crossed the line from this world controlling us into his world. And that's why we have to renew our minds. That's why we have to change our way of thinking. See, the world thinks totally different than what the Bible says. And I'm talking about how to find God's perfect will for your life. Number one, you've got to recognize that, you know, I, there's so many roads I go down, but I've got to stay on my road. How many know John 10.10 10 in here? How many believers here know John 10.10? 10? The thief cometh not before to steal, kill, destroy. Jesus come for us to have and enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. And so what nobody in the unsaved world knows, because if they knew it, they'd get born again. What I'm getting ready to say. Nobody in the unsaved world knows a carnal Christian. What's a carnal Christian? That's a carnal Christian is a person that lives by their flesh, lives by their senses. They only go by what they feel, what they see, what they taste, what they touch, what they smell. In other words, only go by their senses. They just go by looks, what they see, etc. And so Christians that don't get their minds renewed to the Word of God say things like this. Something bad happens. Well, I don't know why God did that. Well, if it's a tragedy, according to the Bible, the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. Small g, he's the God of this world system. That's why it's happened. Why is all these horrible things happened in politics in our country right now? Why is all this horrible stuff happening in our nation? The God of this world wants to destroy America from the inside out. That's why. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Etc., etc. And so we as Christians, to ever know God's will for our lives, we have to understand everything that happens that we see is not God. Somebody said, well, why is the will of God be done? Well, Jesus said it this way. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus said the will of God's done in heaven. Do you notice something that's not in heaven? Demons. Unsaved people. And so the will of God's in, done in heaven because there's no human resistance nor demon resistance. There's no resistance. The reason the will of God's not done in your life and in this world is because there's resistance. Demons and humans resist the will of God. And so that tells me we as believers have got our positions ourselves to not be resistors, but conduits. We've got to be people that allow the Spirit of God to speak to our hearts, and then we just say, yes, sir. We've got to be people that we see the Word of God tells us to do something. We say, wow, 
I get my mind transformed today. My mind's changing today because if the Bible says I'm supposed to give God 10%, I'm not going to be conformed to this world. I'm going to give God 10%. If the Bible says I'm supposed to love and forgive and overlook faults in other people and to pray for them and not curse them, then I'm going to change and I'm going to start praying for people. I'm going to forgive people. I'm going to love people. If the Bible tells me I'm supposed to watch what I say, I'm supposed to speak blessings and not cursings on people in life, then I'm going to change. My mind's changing right now. I'm going to start speaking blessings. If Jesus said, I'll have what I say, I'm going to start guarding my mouth. And what are you doing when you do that? You're starting to walk more in the center of God's perfect will. Proverbs 21, 23 says, Who's going to keep this mouth and his tongue, keep this soul from evil. You see what I've said, how this works? See, the world, communications in the world, the news networks, the internet, about everything there is are influenced by people that don't know God. You know, I told Mrs. Pastor a long time ago, uh, when this Facebook stuff started. Man, we see this stuff on Facebook there, bad people putting goofy things on there. Well, you know, Mr. Rogers used to be a sniper for the Marines. Marty Fife was a sniper for the Marines. Had you get 10,000 people on there, pass that on and forward, then all of a sudden these people start breaking out research and said, well, Mr. Rogers wasn't even in the Marines. And Barty Fife never even had a bullet. But because that was on the Internet, well-meaning Christians jump onto everything on the Internet and say, yeah, that's so, that's so, I saw it. Let me tell you the only thing you better repost on the Internet if you want to be smart is the Word of God, what it says. God's Word is truth. God's Word's forever. And you don't use it, you don't use it as a weapon to condemn people on, if you're going to do it on Facebook. You use it to lift up people and bless people, not to condemn them for how they're living, but lift them up and show them how they could live if Jesus were Lord. You understand what I'm saying? And so, Christians have to know that there's a God of this world system. He basically controls politics. The internet and everything else. And so we as Christians have to not be conformed to what the world says it's supposed to be. But we're supposed to take the word of God in our lives and live it and cause our lives to live like the word of God says we're supposed to live. To think how we're supposed to think. And we're talking about how you can find out and know God's perfect will for your life. And so you got to program your mind and thinking process with the word of God if you want to know the will of God for your life, there's an eternity of difference. There's an eternity of difference between politically correct and biblically correct. How many of you ever hear that term all the time? PC correctness, PC correctness. And you know, I'm not even going down any of those roads today. I'm not going down those roads. But just because a state or a nation our Supreme Court says this is now the law of the land. Is it the law of the Bible? Amen. I'm not going to be a rebel against my nation or against my government. But I know in my life, if they tell me this is the law and it absolutely violates what God said, I'm going to stick with the Word of God. You know, I don't want to be a martyr. I don't want to be up there on the news of some guy that you know, rebel against everything like that. But my Bible absolutely tells me this is how believers live. This is how I'm going to live. And somebody says, well, you, if you do that, you're not doing what they said to do. Well, I'm a nonconformist to sin, but I try to conform to the Word of God the best I can because He said, be not conformed to this world. And the will of God is the Word of God. And Jesus said the Word of God never changes. And so God's will from God's Word never changes through all of time. People change. Social customs change. Lots of things change. But the Word of God never changes. And I realize the Bible says a long life for a human being after Noah's flood, he said it would be 120 years. And Moses, when they were in the wilderness, said, a short life would be 70 years, maybe 80 years. 
And so I know that on this earth, for what God has set up right now, 70, 80, 120 years is our life. But then he says, eternity's forever. And so I'm not going to shortchange what God tells me to do for a little temporary pleasure down here, what I know forever and ever and ever and ever is what counts. We're talking about the will of God. To know the will of God. And so we have to understand that there is a demon spirit called the devil and his demons that control things around us. And so we can take authority over things and change them for our life and our family. But that's the way it is out there. So in other words, we don't have to be popular to people that don't know God as long as we please God with our lives. Amen. Look at Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. And I'm talking about following God's plan for your life. About being centered God's perfect will for you. And when I said a while ago about Barstow being the best place for me, what I found out is this. When you're in God's perfect will, you have something on your life called anointing. You have the glory of God surrounding you when you're in God's perfect will. We pastored in Indiana for years, and God's plan changed for us to come to California. We lost the anointing out there. And so although Indiana is where we lived for all of our lives up to this point in time, when we left Indiana and came to Barstow, we was anointed again. And that's why I say Barstow is the best place in the world to live for us because we've got God's glory and anointing on us. If somebody's assigned by God to live in Hollywood, California, San Francisco, Houston, Texas, wherever it is, when you're in God's perfect will and God's glory, you don't care what the surroundings are. You just know you're covered by God. When you're covered by God, that's the best place to live. No better preach than you are shouting. Amen. Amen. If you've ever experienced God's anointing and did not have anointing, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Man, you get the glory has nothing to do with the job. You can be working down at McDonald's or you can be a CEO, but the anointing makes the difference. When you got the anointing, money doesn't really matter because the anointing will bring money. Amen. But money can't bring peace. And so when you're in the anointing, you can have money and you can have peace. And there's a difference. Amen. When you're you're in God's perfect will, things always show up. So Isaiah 55, verse 8 and verse 9 says this. Talk about renewing your mind. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. So God's thoughts and God's ways are recorded in the Bible. The way God thinks and the way God does things, he put in the heart of men and they wrote them in the Bible. So when you're reading the Bible, you're reading God's thoughts. When you're reading the Bible, you're reading God's ways. Think about this. How many know that Jesus was God in the flesh? What did Jesus say if you're broke to do? Luke 6, 38. Jesus said if you're broke, give it away. What you do have. He said give. As shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom. That's God's ways. What does man say to do if you're broke? Get up and, and get into politics saying, ain't fair, ain't fair, ain't fair. We want theirs. Why do we want theirs? Because it ain't fair. They got it all. We got nothing. Jesus said, that's not my way. He says, the God of this world influences those people. He said, Mike, if you happen to be broke, he says, what have you got? He says, give. It'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shake together, run it over. Somebody said, that doesn't make sense to me. Well, we'll deal with that in just a minute, then. You need to get saved. Amen. And so he says, his ways are not our ways. And so we need to learn and reprogram our way of thinking and our decision-making in life to be in line with God's words. And so I want to look at some of God's thoughts that are the will of God for every human being. Some of God's thoughts that are will of God for every human being. Look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3. 
verse 3 through 7. This is the first step into God's perfect will for every human being. Jesus said, answered, verse 3, and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That word see there means to understand. You'll never understand God's thoughts. You'll never understand God's ways until you're born again. That's why somebody that, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they talking about trying to preach to somebody about Bible principles not even saved. I said, man, I said, they'll never understand that. They don't have the Holy Spirit in them. You don't need to preach tithing to a sinner. Hey, man, you can't preach the love walk to sinners. I mean, you tell them about things like that, but it's never going to make sense to somebody that's spiritually lost about love and forgiveness. You can preach it all you want to, but that kind of love is not agape love. Agape loves God's love. When God's love gets in us, we can forgive by faith that it works. We turn the other cheek by faith and it works. We go the extra mile by faith and it works because we got the ability in us to do it. You'll never understand that until you're born again. You'll never understand. You'll never understand why would I want to give money to send a preacher down to the Amazon River. That doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't make sense to me at all. That's all they ever want's money. That doesn't make sense. Well, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those which believe not. They don't understand. Jesus said, you'll never understand until you're born again. When you're born again, you understand my heart's desire is to please Jesus. My money's not my money. It belongs to Jesus. My time's not my time. My life's not my life. I've given it to Him. And people look at you and think, well, you nut. You going to church again this week? I thought you went there last Christmas. You going again? It's not even Easter yet. Isn't that how sinners think? Amen. What? You, what, you go to church, somebody die or something? <laughs> when you're born again, you understand the will of God. Amen, amen. So anyway, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can't enter the second time to his mother's womb and be born? That's natural thinking, trying to figure out spiritual things. And that's why as Christians, if you don't get your mind trained to the Word of God, you'll try to figure out things about how's God going to do this. Once, once you really yield your life to Him, start letting your mind be trained to the Word of God, you'll never get think, how's God going to do this? You just know He's doing it. You don't have to figure out. You know, I know that I've been around Christians, even Christian leaders, when it comes to spiritual things. The Bible says it. God says, you do this, I'll do this. Say, well, wait a minute. For God to do this, it would take a creative miracle. It would take a deliverance. It would take this person with all this money to get over here. And that God would have to change this one and cause them to do this. You don't have to do the, do the Nicodemus trick. How can a man be born again? Man, I weigh 200 pounds. My, my mom, my mom's 70 years old and she only weighs 120. How can I get inside of her? My mom'd have to gain a lot of weight. I'd have to lose some. How can a man be born again? When you are truly born again, and he says, bring the tithe to the storehouse, I'll open the windows of heaven. I'll do the devour for you. You never think. Where are we going to get the money? You just know in your heart. God said, you do this, and you're going to be so blessed that everybody sees you're going to call you blessed. You understand what I've said? That's what God says, how this works. So Jesus said, you don't understand it until you're born again. And he said, verse 5, Verily, verily, I said to thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter to the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now look at this, verse 7. This is the will of God. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The will of God for every human being is to be born again. You'll never enter the will of God for your life until you ask Jesus to your heart. That's your first step in the perfect will of God is to receive Jesus. Look at Hebrews 13, 
verse 7 and 17. And, you know, verses that I'm teaching are the way God's leading today. There's so many things we can look at about the will of God, but this is what God, when I ask Him who's going to be at the service, God looked out there and He saw every face that's here today. He saw you. And God saw you sitting here. And so God wants to answer this for you. Hebrews 13, verse 7 and 17. He says, Remember them which have the rule over you. That means your spiritual leaders. It's the one God's given you to help guide you through things in life. Have spoken to you the word of God. That sounds like a pastor, doesn't it? Spiritual leaders, Bible teachers. Remember them which have the lead over you. Who have spoken to you the word of God. Whose faith follow. Consider the end of their conversation. And so in other words, I'll I'll paraphrase that. He says, judge our fruit. Consider the end of their conversation. If they preach healing, do they ever get healed if they need it? If they preach faithfulness, are they faithful to come to church and be a part of what God's doing? If they're preaching worship, do they worship God? Do they have a prayer life? If they're Teach you about your families, how to get your families in. Are their families in? He says, look at those who are teaching the Word of God and follow their faith, considering the end of their conversation. That conversation means their lifestyle, their conduct. And look at verse 7. Obey them that have the rule over you. Well, God must give people to be leaders in your life. Or he wouldn't say some of us have the rule and that rule is not dictator. That means the guidance to guide you, to lead you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account. I have got to give an account for the people God puts under my leadership. Because the Bible says so. It says that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. It really hurts as a spiritual leader. We see people not taking your guidance and spiritual advice from the Word of God going down the wrong road because you know crash is coming. But it really makes our hearts jump with joy when you see you take, take our guidance and things we tell you out of the Bible because we know you're getting ready to have a breakthrough. Victory's coming. So anyway, uh, God's will is for you to seek Him about where He wants you to go to church, who He's chosen to be your spiritual uh, leaders. And so that's what God says. And so this is God's will for your safety and success in life, you will never fulfill divine destiny unless you stay connected to God-given spiritual leadership. You'll never fulfill divine destiny unless you stay connected. Now, I'm going to throw a little nugget at you. The Lord reminded me this morning. He just really kept speaking to me. So I want to tell you this so you know. How many have ever heard the word, that was a divine appointment? The divine appointment. Listen to this. If you don't get this, you're never going to go very far. There's difference between a divine appointment and a divine connection. That divine appointment is temporary. You know, I think about Rosalinda. A divine appointment turned into a divine connection. She was out the college and doing things she was doing. I got to be on a board there, uh, whatever you call it, committee, a few years ago to help choose who was going to be the college president. Well, she was the first person I saw. I went to the college, find out where the room was I was supposed to go to. That was a divine appointment that day, but also became a divine connection. A divine appointment is somebody God has crossed your path temporarily to help you at that time of life to get to your next place. You may never see a person again for your whole life. That was something somebody crossed your path. He said, that was a divine appointment. God sent them across my path. A divine connection is a lifelong connection God hooked up to go right on into heaven with you in eternity. Pastors as spiritual leaders are normally divine connections. Church family, spiritual family, is normally a divine connection that lasts forever while you're on earth. If you break your divine connections, chances are you never go fulfill your divine destiny. I've known people in life that unhooked from me as their pastor that I've ran into decades later sometimes. 
And they said, Pastor, life's never been the same since I unhooked. First Corinthians 12, God said, I said, each one in the church as it pleases me. That's what I'm talking about, God's will. Get born again. Find your spiritual family. Stay connected. And so, as the pastor and spiritual father of many of you, I want to close with some spiritual guidance to help you more clearly fine-tune God's perfect will for your life. I want you to look at Colossians chapter 1. And this is, this, this is ending to me the grand finale for you and how to fine tune and tweak and get this question answered. What does God want me to do? What's God's perfect will for my life? And, you know, the Holy Spirit, in writing these verses out, they really set you up, born again, hooked up your spiritual leadership, and now spiritual leadership from the Bible showing you how to pray so you'll find out. Am I making the right career move? Am I about to marry the right person? Is this house I'm about to buy the right house? Is this direction I'm about to go the right direction? How many here truly believe the Bible? How many believe that when you're praying from the Bible, that God will answer what you're praying? Well, here's Colossians chapter 1. And by the way, this is part of our uh, devotions we're doing together on our online Bible study this month. But Colossians 1 verse 9 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire. And there's a lot of Spirit-given prayers in the New Testament. This is the one over the years that's the most resonated with me. I pray this prayer normally several times a week, and I'll show you how I pray it. I say, Father, I want to thank you, as I see this part right here. Thank you, Father, for filling me. And the Greek says exact and precise knowledge. And I always say, Father, I want to thank you for filling me with the exact and precise knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. The exact precise knowledge of your will. We're talking about the will of God. It says you can pray and thank him for filling you with the exact and precise knowledge of his will. I think about Mike out there at the base. You know, talk about supervisor jobs, sometimes wants to be, sometimes not, etc., etc. Well, when Mike's praying this, he knows in his heart of hearts. His head may say yes, but the heart says no. Or head may say no, the heart says yes. Because difference between your head and your heart. And so when you're praying that there, and you're saying, Lord, thank you for filling me with the exact and precise knowledge of your will. Then all of a sudden, from hitting those little rings on the target, you said, Lord, I want the bullseye. I want exact and precise. Am I supposed to take this job or not? Am I supposed to buy this house or not? Am I supposed to connect with these people or not? Lord, thank you for filling me with the exact and precise knowledge. And then the spiritual understanding. Now, I want to say this here. We're closing. I know that. But you've got to get these things. Well, the wisdom of God means the plan of God. The understanding of the wisdom means the steps to take the plan. And so God says, I want to give you the plan, but now here's the steps. If you never take the first step, you'll never see the second. God does, he allows nobody to skip steps. See, God's not politically correct. He doesn't say, okay, you little kindergartners, we don't believe in winners, we believe in equal. Okay, now all you guys, some of you go to study hard. Some of you aren't going to study. Some of you are going to practice. Some of you not. But everybody gets a blue ribbon. No, God said, study show yourself proved unto God. A work would need not to be ashamed, rightly divide the word of truth. God says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Amen. So God says, you ask him for that. He'll show you that in the steps. And then he says, because you get his wisdom and his understanding. Then he says you can walk worthy of the Lord. That means pleasing the Lord. And to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. And then you'll be increasing 
in the exact and precise knowledge of God, etc., etc. And so I'll close it off, but you can keep on reading down through those verses there. And so what I'm saying is this. God says, as you enter into eternal life by receiving Jesus, hooked up with your spiritual family, your spiritual fathers that God gives you, and then he says, you're starting in the center of his perfect will. Then he says, start praying and believe it. He's going to show you the exact and precise knowledge of what to do. Then he says, you'll be well-pleasing to him. Then he says, you'll be fruitful. You'll get results. Amen. And so that's how you can know the will of God for your life. And I just pray that you'll take that to heart and do the things you've seen today. Now, I'm going to have Pastor Dave lead us in communion. And when we're taking communion today... Have your heart open for God to speak to your heart and help you fine-tune some things. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.